that Joe gave. Welcome if you're kind of visiting us uh, this evening. It's a great evening actually to turn up because um, you'll get a real kind of insight and idea of what we're about as a church and just some of our, our values and why we do things in a certain way. So if you're kind of trying to check this place out, it's a great evening to be here. And just to start off, just to kind of give you a context, Joe mentioned right at the beginning that we're going to take some time to consider a verse in the Bible, and Joshua 3, verse 5, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. But just going to give you a, a, a context. Um, as a church, one of the things we talk a lot about is, is our desire to bring our communities into life. To see the communities, whatever that may be for you, it might be a workplace, it might be a um, university, it might be the school gate. We want to see those communities encounter God and to be transformed. Because it's not just about what happens within these four walls, but it's about seeing the reality of the kingdom of God break through in people's lives. To see the love, to see the hope, to see the healing, to see the transformation affect every sphere of society that we are involved with. Because that's what it's about. You know, Joe jo shared a story. I didn't know she was going to share a story because I had a couple of stories. <laughs> and uh, just a context of kind of what this means in the sense of bringing communities into life. And one of the things that we're involved with, is, along with a whole load of other churches, is thing called Healing on the Streets. So if you go, I can't remember what it is, third Saturday of the month, you go up to the high street in Winchester. There's a, there's a group of people from different churches. And just trying to see one aspect of the, the kingdom of God break through and people's bodies touched. One of our youth was there a few weeks ago, and um, somebody just walked past him, and um, he said to his mum, follow that man. And so the, um, the, uh, the lady followed that man, and somehow they managed to interact with that person. And that person was incredibly depressed at that point in time. They were thinking about committing suicide. And so they were just able to pray for him, to demonstrate the goodness of God. Because that's what it's about. Actually, last week, it seems like a long time ago, I was, um, you know, the idea that God can be anywhere and trying to bring the kingdom of God everywhere. I was speaking in a mosque. Yeah, I speak in church, so I speak in mosque. I'm not too fussy. And uh, so I was speaking in a Muslim mosque, and we were just, I was just sharing about what it meant for a follower of Jesus to pray. And as part of that, we believe that God speaks and God moves, so I just share some words. And uh, we pray for some people, and some people got healed. Right there in a mosque. Because that's what it's about. We want to see our communities come into an encounter with God because we believe that he has the answers to every problem that there is. And so as a church, we've been having this desire probably for the last year, maybe longer. It's like we want more. Jesus talked about we would see greater things. We would see more of him kind of turning up and bringing greater aspects of transformation. And so we've been saying, God, we want more. And that's meant many different things. Part of it's kind of been even just preparing our, our kind of sanctuary, we call it. I'm trying to think of a better phrase for it, a building. And uh, some of you will be aware of this because it's been an ongoing thing. Some of you have just turned up. This is your first night. You will not realize that six months ago you could not go f- through there. That is all completely new, that end. You used to have to come in from the side. And so we went through a kind of physical, as a building, a change to prepare this building for what we feel like God wants to use this building and to bring community into our life. And so as a leadership team, we were praying and um, we thought, right, the building stage 
it's pretty much come to an end. I'm looking at Jerry because there's probably bits that still need to be done. And we thought, well, what next? Now, the natural thing um, in September is just to kind of rush into things. You know, there's always new things happening. You know, new school, new term, new students, new people. Jobs often start at this time of year. And so it's kind of often for people like myself, it's kind of one of the really busy seasons of my, my life. And it is, but not for the normal reason. And um, we just felt like God speak to us and gave us this verse. And it's like, in the normal time when you're rushing in, I want you to be still. I want to speak to you. I want you to, to use this phrase, consecrate yourself. I can't see anything behind me. And uh, this verse, and um, I started thinking about what does it mean? I'll flick it up in a minute. Consecration. What does that mean to you? And these, I just looked it up because I'm not that clever, so I just looked up in the dictionary. And uh, these are some of the things it says. Give entirely to a specific person, activity or cause. Consecration means to make holy or dedicate to a higher purpose. We see that in scripture a few times. You've got like the building in the Old Testament. Um, Moses was given instructions and built a tabernacle. And that was kind of consecrated for the use of God. Consecrated for a place where people could encounter God. And actually it was quite a messy affair. If you read the story, there was a whole load of sheep in particular that had to get killed in order to see this place kind of purified. We see also in relation to Samuel. If you know the story of Samuel, his mother Hannah, she cried out to God and she said, you know, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. Another way you could translate that is, I'm going to consecrate him to you. I'm going to give my son over to you so that his purpose and meaning in life will be to be used by you, God. Another way you could describe it is just devoting something to a particular purpose. And again, you might, people might say to you sometimes, are you really devoted to whatever it may be? You know, you're just a Trekkie fan or I'm trying to think of an example. Just something that you're really into, you, you are devoted to it. And it's kind of reflected because of the way you spend your time, your energy and your money. You kind of know what you are devoted to. And so when we start thinking about consecration, we also start thinking about this word devotion. Where is our heart affection? Where do we give our time, our energy, our money if somebody looked at our bank account, if somebody looked at, you know, when you do these little, how you spend your time kind of surveys, what would it kind of reflect? What would it show? It can also be seen as something dedicated or set apart for a higher purpose. Or giving sync over to the worship or the service of God. And so these are all words to do with kind of consecration. Sometimes that verse, consecrate yourself, is translated sanctify yourself, and when we get the word kind of holy, as soon as it's translated, kind of purify, to make something pure. I'm not a chemist, I was trying to look for my daughter, she's a chemist, but I know like, I can see her at the back, <laughs> she can hear me. And uh, you know, just when you get like a pure alloy, you just every impurity in it is taken out, so it's pure of what it is. And so God kind of spoke this word to Joshua, if you know the story of Joshua and the previous kind of books, in particular, the Israelites had kind of been wandering around in the desert. He said to them, I'm going to give you a promised land. This is going to be a great place. A uh, land flowing with milk and honey. I always sometimes think like, I would have needed a greater incentive than that, actually, milk and honey. But, uh, I don't know, flowing with steaks and chips would be a little bit more appropriate for me. But uh, this is going to be really, really good. 
And they hadn't. And now they're kind of come to this stage, the generation's died out, and they're literally standing on the kind of ready to cross into the promised land, ready on this thing they'd been waiting for for years and years and years. I don't know what was going through their, their minds. They'd heard about this promised land, and there they are, right on the edge of the Jordan. And God says, I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to purify yourselves. I want you to do all these things that uh, I mentioned in some of these definitions because tomorrow I'm going to do some amazing things amongst you. I think as soon as we underestimate what that amazingness would look like. These guys had had the presence of God with them day and night in a cloud and a fire. I mean, that would be amazing for me. I don't know about for you. They had had supernaturally day in, day out, manna provided for them. I don't know about you, but I tend to have to go to shops to get my food. So they'd seen some pretty amazing things already. They'd seen water come out of rock. They had had quail provided for them. I mean, I, I, I would have any of those things. I'd think, that's amazing. And yet God says, in comparison, consecrate yourself, because I'm going to do something amazing. He hadn't called any of those other things amazing. And so that's what we want as a church. We've seen some things. We've had some tasters. But it's like we feel like God says there is more. We've heard stories in different places. But we want more. But there's that invitation. And it is an invitation. I want to stress that. Consecration is an invitation. It is an invitation from the good, good dad. Because I'm going to talk a little bit about the holiness of God in a minute. There's not something that's talked about often uh, in churches. Because we do talk about the good, good father. But you've got to remember this invitation, this challenge, comes the one who knows best and what he wants for us. So what does it mean? And I just wanted to kind of draw um, from a couple of verses, but particularly a, a passage. Oh, get it back. Where's it going? No, oh, it's not going in order. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's what I want. It's from uh, Isaiah 6. I had to just cram it in. I think you can see it all right. Let me just read it. It says, It was in the year that King Uzziah died, this is Isaiah in his own words, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over, I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man, I have filthy lips, and I live amongst a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongues. He touched my lips with it and said, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Who should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Yes, go. It's going to give the other um, passage and I'll flip back to this one. And this is from Psalm 24, verse 3 to 5. And it says, Who then may ascend into the presence of the Lord? And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, 
whose hearts are true and sealed by truth. Those who never deceive, whose words are sure, they will receive the Lord's blessing and righteousness given by the Saviour God. And so I just want to just share just a, a few thoughts, and then we're going to respond, as Joe says. We've got these different stations around here. But when we start thinking about consecration, Isaiah had an encounter, a consecration, an opportunity, had an invitation. He saw God in his holiness. You know, as far as we know, Isaiah was a priest. He knew about holiness. But for some reason, he saw God in a way that he hadn't seen him before. And that's one of our prayers as a church tonight and in this season, that we will see God in a new way. If I was going to do a little comparison, you get a similar story in Revelation where we have John, who was called the Beloved. He was really intimate and close to Jesus, probably the closest as far as we're aware of. You know, It says he kind of leaned on his breast. There was intimacy, there was knowledge of Jesus. Yeah, in Revelation, he got a revelation of God they'd never seen before. And if you read it, it kind of gives this, you know, John's trying to describe. You know when you've seen something, you're trying to describe it to somebody. And he's trying to use all the words that he can, yet in some ways he doesn't give it full justice. But his response is that he fell down as dead. He saw God in a new way, and it impacted him. And that's what we want to see, God in his holiness. And that's something hard to describe. You can read the, the passage, you know, and I, I love reading that passage. I'm also, if you know me, I'm a great lover of what's called revival history. And I've got time to explain what a revival is. But a revival is when God's manifest power comes in such a way, like in Pentecost, that people uh, in the hundreds begin to respond and say, God, we want to give our lives to you. And often when you hear those stories, there's a kind of great correlation between that and people beholding God in his holiness. You know, they used to talk about, there's a guy called Charles Finney, who was a, a revivalist in the 19th century in the States, and he would just literally walk through factories and shop places, and God would turn up in his holiness, and people would cry out and say, what must I do to be saved? And that's what one of the things that we are desiring as a church, to press into that, to see God in his holiness because then it causes a response from us it might sound strange I think the closest I had an experience was when I was um, 17 I still describe when my kids talk about nightmares and things like that I describe it, funny, it might sound strange so just bear with me in some way it was my worst nightmare I've ever had I still remember it, it would have been a Monday I don't know the exact date because you know, I was learning to drive so I'd be 17 and turned 18 and in the night, I had a dream. I just knew it was Jesus. And I felt, people normally have these stories, and they're like, oh, God turned up, and it was lovely, and, uh, you know, and had a really great experience. I just felt awful. Because I beheld God in his holiness. And, I, you know, the first, I wanted just to wake up, and I did wake up from that. In some ways, I regret it, because I think, wonder what would happen next. But it gave me an insight into his purity. I think sometimes we find it difficult to grasp because we sort of think of God, when we think of holiness, we think, well, they're quite a good person and he's just a little bit better. God's holiness doesn't kind of fit into our definition of holiness. It's just way larger. And that's one of our prayers, my prayers for myself, is God, we need to see. If you're going to grow in consecration, we need to have a description of see you in your holiness just to be overwhelmed by it and that creates a natural expression like whoa am I 
I can know it more in the old version. Where am I? For a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have beheld you. You kind of know, I've been thinking to myself as I've been pressing into it. We just had 36 hours of prayer trying to press into this. And it's something that we believe it's going to be like a season. I remember, you know, but I don't know what that's going to look like. But it's something that we're going to press into. But I know that I will begin to touch on what consecration means for me. And I will know that we as a church are beginning to touch what consecration means from us when I begin to hear wild stories. Woe are my stories. Because when we get that, then we're starting to hit what God wants to do in our lives. Because then we are in the place to get the touch from God. And in some ways, I don't know, that makes you think, it's like, wow, that's a little kind of, I just thought I'd have a nice Sunday evening. But like I said, it's an invitation. It's a good thing. It's a good thing because we want to be transformed. (laughs) We want to see our lives transformed. And you know, as Paulie Wise shared that verse from Psalm 24 about ascending the hill of Lolo to enter into his presence because we need the presence of God. This is what our communities need is the presence of God. Moses said himself they didn't want to go anywhere unless he had the presence of God and we want the same. And that comes from the place of clean hands and a pure heart. And again and again, again in revival history a number of times, the last time there was a revival in the UK, Hebrides Revival, it was that verse. Somebody stood up, read that verse, and went, God, I don't have a clean hand. I don't have clean hands, and I don't have a pure heart. And the Bible says he honors humility and honesty. And he turned up. And that very moment, across the island and Hebrides, some of the most hardened people on that island began to cry out in pubs, in the fields, and say, God, we need you. And that's what it's about. It has a challenge. Because we want to see that transformation. And that's not easy. You know, David was challenging us earlier that it's easy to sing songs. You know, worthy of, you know, worthy are you? Worthy of the Lord. <laughs> Forget the words. I'm terrible at singing. You don't want that. And, um, and it was the first time I really looked at it in the way that David challenged us. You're worthy of it all. I mean, I sang it, and it's quite an easy, repetitive song. But it reminded me, challenged me again, it's worthy of it all. Have I given him my all? Another one, I don't know if we all, you know, we might have it later. Uh, we often sing it in this church, you know, refine as fire. My one desire is to be holy. I don't know, yeah, some of you people know that song? <laughs> you know, we sing, if you don't, we may do it later. But uh, you thought about that. We're singing like refine as fire. I mean, that's, that's hot. I mean, you sing the thing about the things you sing. I often think if we spent you know, half the time thinking about what we sing and trying to live up to what we sing, I would definitely be radically more different than I am now. Refine as fire. Come and purify me. You know, have you ever seen, uh, you know, I've just seen glimpses of when, they, you know, they're making um, some of the kind of purification of steel and different metals. You know, they go, the temperatures they reach to get that. I mean, that's hot stuff. And as we press into this, it's going to get hot. I heard Joe speaking actually yesterday, and she's going to talk about it getting messy, because the idea is when they heat it up, dross comes to the surface. And I believe that something's going to happen. Maybe it won't happen this evening. I feel one of the challenges is that this can be a gradual process. You don't just suddenly go from solid metal to liquid and skimming off the dross in one straight instance. It takes a while to heat up. But we want to begin this. This is something that as a church we say we are serious with God. We want to see something happen. 
We want to get transformed. And that can mean many things. Maybe when David was talking earlier, I mentioned earlier, certain things came into your mind. When I start talking about holiness, maybe you have certain things that come to your mind instantly. And they talk about in Scripture, not just the the aspect of things that we do that we know we shouldn't do, but there's also the aspect of things that we should do that we don't do. And what is that going to look like for me? I believe, believe, you know, I took out some time last night and praying into it. You know, there's certain things that come to my mind I'm very aware of. You know, the years, just kind of things like complaining and thinking, I don't want that. There's nothing like having children to start realizing some of the things that you haven't dealt with. I think, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that in my life. It can be things, you know, it can be other things, very simple. God's been challenging me recently just that um, as soon as I would just, you know, if I have a very difficult situation, I would just tend to eat. And I used to get away with it. But I don't get away with it now in the sense of eating. And so God's just challenged me in this season not to eat sweet stuff. And I find that hard because um, those who know me well know that often if I don't, um, yeah, if I go for a period of time I haven't eaten, I get very dizzy. I often tell people in church, if you see me disappear from the front of church, it's normally because I'm on the scrounge for something sweet. And often, um, be interesting, in a few weeks' time I'm going to Kenya with people like David, and I normally take at least one chocolate bar for each day just because I don't know when my meal's going to come and my, my level's going down. And so, but, but I felt like God said, just trust me on that. Because you just come to that place where sometimes when you just kind of feel like stress or things are difficult, you know, you just grab a Coke or you just grab a, a chocolate bar from somewhere. And it can mean different things for different people. But we want to press into it. And it's a choice. Who down ascends the hill of the Lord? Who has the privilege? It's an invitation to go up that hill. Now, it might be a hard climb, but I tell you what, I'm sure the view would be beautiful. Do we want to go with it? And so we wanted to do that. So as we felt this challenge as a, as a leadership, we wanted to kind of create a space. So we took our 36 hours. We're actually finishing the 36 hours. This is part of it. We're finishing an hour and a half. It was an opportunity for us collectively and also individually to press into this to get prepared because God's going to do something amazing but he's waiting for us I was reminded of um, something I haven't done in I don't know 20, 30 years uh, and I used to do food and nutrition GCSE yes believe it or not I did that my kids still don't believe it when they see some of my cooking habits I did pretty well actually and uh, they're amazed I was top of my class but uh, it's easy to know the theory when it comes to hygiene, it's a different matter, <laughs> living it. And um, I don't know if you know, if you can, some of you maybe have to go back a number of years like me, or some of you, it's quite a recent experience. But you know when you had a cooking lesson the next day, you had to get your ingredients ready the night before. Uh, and so that they were ready for when you did the cooking. And I feel that's probably what God's trying to do with us. Individually and corporately, it's like, God, I feel like saying, I wanna, I've got something amazing I want to cook for your community. I've got this great banqueting feast I want to give your community and fill that gap in with whatever that community looks like for you. And you guys are my raw ingredients. And that means different things for different people. For some of us, it needs peeling. 
You just got to peel off. Some of us, it just means chopping. Some of us, it means grinding. Some of us, it means, I'm just coming back to my pastry days, when you just get the flour and you rub it in like breadcrumbs. It means different things to different people, but it's like this invitation to what he wants to do. And so my challenge to myself, my challenge to each one of us, and if you come into this church and you're thinking, oh, I wonder if this is the right place to be, well, let me promise you a couple of things. One, I promise you that we'll get hot, as in the sense of not just the literal heating, because <laughs> the heating's gone off. But we're, we're in a church that seriously takes what we feel like God's saying and we press into it, however much it might cost us individually. But I also promise you that as we do this, our lives, your lives, and the communities amongst which you live, their lives will be radically different. And so as I respond to that, we're going to just take some time to uh, respond to that. And we've got different kind of stations around, and it's all based around this theme of consecration. Just taking some time just to slow down and say, God, search me. And I want to stress that, because it's not to do with kind of navel-gazing, as they're saying, kind of looking for something. Oh. Yeah, I know, that's probably why I'm here, isn't it? Stay still. And um, I was going to say consecration. <laughs> it's not about nature, it's to do with the book. I was to search me. It's like allowing the Holy Spirit space to bring to the surface, to examine us, to look deep, to look at why we do things, to look at where maybe we have allowed other things to become our priority. That's what the Bible means by idols. When we let something out, it's become more important than Him. And so we want to create that opportunity. So we're going to have. Oh, there's some sheets over here. So we're going to start off by doing some, um, a sheet from Psalm 139. And so, we just tell people to grab them, we should pass them around or something. Maybe pass them around. And so that's going to be the starting point. And then we're kind of going to make our way around. You can go at your own speed. This is to do it yourself. One of the values we have in the church is we try to create an environment that will help you grow in your discipleship. But at the same time, we believe that in DIY Christianity, in the sense of you have to take responsibility for your own discipleship. So, yeah, there's going to be pens and uh, sticky notes. Actually, I lost you, guys, haven't you? Because you're looking at that now. <laughs> but, uh, but we're going to just have some space, and you can, you can, that's a good place to start. And then from there, there's an opportunity to respond in a different way. Over there, there's a numbering system to number two. Joe's going to go in over where the communion is at the moment, and that's going to number three. And then there's some bowls over here, which is number four. And then there's, right to the end, uh, right over here with some art material, is going to end. And it's all to do with consecration. Some of it at the beginning is just to, be, to do with letting go of stuff, allowing God to examine us. And then we finish right at the end exactly where we finish in the passage in Isaiah 6. Because if you notice something about most stories in the Bible, including the one I chose in Isaiah 6, is there is a revelation of God. There's an encounter with God where he comes and says, yes, you've seen what you truly like, and he brings purification. And then consecration also means not just set apart from something, but set apart for something. 
And we touched on that at the end because it'd be like, God, you purify us for a reason. Or to use that illustration I gave you earlier, you purify us for a recipe. What is it? Where do we have to outwork our ingredient in that situation? So I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to release you. Just you're going to start there. And then go around at your own speed. We've got a good half an hour, 20, 25 minutes, just to respond. Some of you might get all the way over there quickly. Some of you might just get to two or three. Yeah, if you need a Bible, there's a whole load of Bibles over here. I'd encourage you. And uh, just to, sometimes it's just useful just to read something uh, in person. And at each table is a different sheet with just some instructions that are there just to kind of help you maximize uh, the time of that station. So I'm going to just, uh, yeah, I'm going to.